You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Bulldog Hour. I am one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and sitting next to me is my co-host, Justin Raffoff. Yeah, it's uh, good to be here. Ready to talk more Wilson football. Yeah, we have a good one this evening. We've got a uh, lengthy conversation with Wilson football head coach, Doug Doms. And I mentioned to him that this is always one that pretty much everyone looks forward to. They want to hear what the head coach has to say. And, you know, he's been doing this now for what, this is his 14th season as a head coach. And uh, just a couple more as an assistant coach, you know, hanging around the program, just a few multipliers of that. Yeah. So (laughs) we have a great discussion. Justin and I interviewed him last week and, uh, you know, we talked about 2018. We talked about 2019. We talked a little bit about 2020. We hit on what's you know, what's new in, in high school football, what's the status. Obviously, we talked a lot about Wilson, but we also talked about interest in high school football in the state of Pennsylvania and concussions and head injuries in football. Uh, there was a variety of stuff that we talked about, and uh, he gave us some some bold and honest answers for everything we threw at him, and we always appreciate our time with him. Yeah, his, uh, his insight into some of the changes that we'll see in football this year um, – were things that kind of flew under the radar, even for me, um, because some of the headlines, you know, have been alignment and those types of things, you know, and and uh, there's been lots of other headlines that involve uh, high school football. So some of the things that are going to affect every game, you know, whether Wilson's playing or we're talking about single A schools playing, it was just interesting to hear his uh, take on that as one of the big things. So right. th- there's lots of great insight. Um, Always a great interview, so it'll be uh, it'll be fun. Before we get to his interview, just our normal housekeeping stuff and an announcement that because of the length of a few of the interviews, we're not going to mash this together into one two-hour episode. We're going to split it up like we kind of started last year. So tonight will be just be Coach Dom's because his runs I think close to fifty minutes long. Yeah. And then we're going to have a special midweek show on Wednesday evening. We're going to broadcast our we'll interviews with defensive coordinator Ernie Wolber and the new defensive line assistant coach Chase Godfrey. You know, it's it's only appropriate that uh, they ramp it up to what three practices a day tomorrow, and uh, we we ramp it up to right. We two can just uh, make sure <laughs> that we days. get two shows in a few days, yeah. like almost almost it's the same, a, level. same amount of work. Obviously, yeah, yeah, I, I I'm obviously kidding. Please don't. <laughs> please don't hate me for that so uh yeah a great interview to get to with coach dons but again the housekeeping things uh, we mentioned about the schedule so you're getting a show from us tonight you're getting a show from us on wednesday and then next weekend you'll get a show from us which will recap the parkland scrimmage and preview the central dolphin game because by the the time that we're back for that we're less than a week from the first game which is kind of crazy to think about absolutely crazy but uh, a few other things here, just our, our normal st- stuff. We want to thank our sponsors, May Sandwich Shop, and our anonymous donor. And just to let you know that there are ways that you can help us out on the show, a variety of ways you can support us, starting with the sponsorships and advertising or your in-kind donations, always greatly appreciated. Be sure to visit the website, not just to help us out, but also to get a lot of information about the show, about the football team, and about the outreach that they do. And then finally... 
just simple things like spreading the word or like Justin talks about all the time. Like and share. Yep. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, especially. Again, the website is a great place too. So look for uh, at Bulldog Hour across those sites. Check out at Wilson Bulldogs or at Wilson Bulldogs Football and just just follow us and interact with us on there. It's a great way to uh, help us out. Yeah, we kind of say that like tongue-in-cheek a little bit, you know, just because it is kind of silly you're you have obviously already found this but that helps other people know about it but it is interesting i kind of really just thought about it this week how this kind of all started with just like twitter updates you know like um back in november 2010 yeah this started as just like twitter updates and um you know it has evolved from there into all the stuff that it has become which is pretty cool but um you know so spreading through those those platforms is is huge and has helped get us to where we are and um you know the more that happens the hopefully the more cool things we can also continue to do and share absolutely so uh definitely uh be following us and just spread the uh spread information about us the show and the uh, the football program I remember the first time i had to do that for you i was scared to <laughs> update on twitter yeah, yeah it was a couple of years into it i think yeah, too because yeah. if i if i didn't get to a game in the first year or two there- i just kind of there are not many instances where that happened (laughs) at all but i i just it was the hempfield game in 2014 because i went to a wedding out in the pittsburgh area there we go yeah i was following your updates while i was sitting (laughs) in my in-laws basement uh that that night for the wedding was the next day and i was just like i hope he doesn't screw this up man (laughs) if i would have i would have signed off as joe mays (laughs) (laughs) of course of course no i thought well no let's let's not bring let's not bring up any other any other of our friends into this the the running joke but so the other other two things i wanted to talk about before we get to the dom's interview is first uh, there was a tweet last week sent by our buddy Andy Herr, who's been a supporter of the show, a longtime listener, and a good great follow. guy. Yeah, great he's, he, for he writes too. for Eastern PA Football. You can follow his stuff. He does all kinds of stuff in the Lancaster, Lebanon area, and journeys elsewhere as well. And he's a huge basketball guy. He's a Warwick grad uh, and a big Nebraska yeah, fan. If you're a Nebraska fan, he's a must follow. <laughs> but uh, he decided to put out his um, preseason predictions for the Lancaster Lebanon League's three sections in football for this year. you hear more about the uh, four sections in football coming in 2020 in our Doug Toms interview coming up. But Andy wanted to let the world know that in uh, section three, he's all about Anvil Cleona. Section two, he thinks Cocalico will unseat Manheim Central, That's which I think probably big. caught the attention of a lot of people. And then, well, I made sure that everyone paid attention to his pick for section one because he has Mannheim Township winning the title over Wilson and Warwick and all the other teams in section one and also has them winning district three again at 6A for the second time in three years. Right. And we will certainly give Andy a hard time when we see him. However... We want to make sure that everyone knew to give him a hard time. However, he's... It's unlikely that Andy will be alone in those picks. I'm not saying... No, absolutely not. He definitely will um, be. Or he definitely will not be alone. Um... Manheim Township returns a lot. Yeah, I, I think maybe the entire defensive side, if not if not all 11, 10 out of 11. Yeah, and I think if that's the case, the 11th got a lot of playing time last year. So anyway, regardless, um, 
you know, we're going to give Andy a hard time, even though he's just doing his job. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it's yeah. just fun. Yeah, exactly. I did want to make sure that the senior players were well aware of it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I know a lot of, a lot of obviously coaches say this, but media members too, like, I don't want to give out bulletin board material for any team. I'm like, no, please do. It's right. better that way. Right. So I appreciate Andy's uh, help so far this year. I'm right. Looking forward so. to uh, that continuing as the year goes on. Please keep picking against us, everyone. I mean, there are teams that hung their hat on that. You know, uh-huh. actually, right near the beginning of when I started this, the 2011 team felt disrespected. Uh, 2012 didn't re- – I mean, I, there probably was something in there, but 2012 lived up to expectations, and people knew what they had coming back from 2011 that they would be okay. But 2013 and 2014 got completely overlooked too, and they both squads used that too. I just go undefeated in the regular season – you know, one of them winning district title. Thanks. So it, it works in our favor when uh, media members uh, slight us a little bit. Yeah, we'll so take it. I'm, yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm keep, keep it coming. Keep it coming. <laughs> then the last thing was I did want to um, show the article that was in the paper today, not just because I mentioned in it, but uh, because it's a great article on the tradition of Wilson football from the Reading Eagle. So hopefully everyone took a look at it today. It was written by Mike Drago and posted late last night and is in the print edition uh, saying that tradition is everything for the Wilson football program, celebrating its 75th anniversary this year. So yes, this fall is obviously the 75th season, as we've been talking about probably for for months now, but uh, Mike Drago goes through uh, just kind of how it all started and has some quotes, talk to me, talk to, talk to Coach Doms. He talks about some of the... Uh, the records and uh, a variety of things about the program uh, from the beginning, focusing on when Gursky got here and, and going up through Slummer, Contafio, and Doms. And uh, we appreciate the coverage from Mike and the Reading Eagle, and uh, hopefully that can continue this fall. And I didn't realize this because I at first read it on uh, the online version that I'm showing you now, but it's quite a big spread in the, the yeah, print edition. Yeah, so of actually, the newspaper. I saw you share it, but I wanted to wait because I know uh, my parents still get the print edition. So I went and I read it, uh, their copy today. And it it is a, a big spread. It, it's really cool. Um, you yeah, know, we, we were talking. We were I giving, have it here. We were giving Andy some praise there. Um, Andy, her, a great follow. But uh, if you're a Wilson or Berks County sports fan, you probably already are following uh, Mike on, on Twitter and things like that. But, you know. If not, give him a follow. Um, yeah, for sure. So you know, I gotta figure out. The and we know he, there were some Ooh. ups and downs with local media, not like personally, but just like in terms of their um, little unknown future this year. So uh, when you can, give them support because they they really do an awesome job covering teams like Wilson and and all the local teams to the best of their ability. Um, so the more we can support them, the the better coverage right. uh, we will continue yeah, to like, have. Like, like we talk about it helping us. Like we know knowing people watch us or, you know, or listen to the podcast or interact with us when we post up. If you do that for their sports stories, I mean, it doesn't have to be sports, but obviously no. we're talking about yeah, sports. That's but, generally the and if you want them to cover something, you know, give them a reason to show them that you're interested, show them that you're reading the stuff that they put out. And right. if you're from a school that you don't think gets enough coverage, start doing it yourself and it'll, it'll come it happens like that's that's what we did here so 
Um, yeah, I sat down with Mike a couple of weeks ago. I'm glad it was in the paper today. And uh, I think it was a great article. And it was so much bigger than I expected it to be when yeah. I opened up the paper yeah, and, cool. and it's saw. Not, it's not like a little footnote. Thing. No, it's... no. Like the, the, fir- the front, you know, the intro part of it has the 75th season logo on. And on the inside has the throwback W and the football that's yeah. on the helmets this year. And there's, you know, they have pictures of Gursky and, and Collins and Henny and Gilmore and all kind of things. So Mike did a great job of that. And uh, hopefully everyone got to see it either online or, or in the newspaper. But that's it for now from, you know, the housekeeping angle. Let's get into it. Let's get to our interview with Coach Doms. It's everyone here and waiting for it. They want to hear it. So let's not wait any longer. Let's play that for you uh, now. I hope everyone enjoys it. The players may be giving you a run for their money. They really got the uh, the word out, and they had a, a viewing party, and uh, we had a, a huge following with a lot of views. So we'll see if you can tackle that and remain your number one spot in the, uh, our viewers' eyes. Yeah, the kids are number one. That's all right with me. Um, you know, we're going to talk almost exclusively about this season, but we always touch a little bit on last year, and then we'll even always look ahead a little bit to, to next year with schedule-related things. But um, looking back on 2018, 8-4, you know, a shared LL title. Um, you know, what were your thoughts on on sharing the title uh, last year? I know it's a, a little bit of a, a, a sticky uh, sticky point, and I'm not sure it's a... I guess it's better to share than not have it at all. Right. But when we beat Township, we put ourselves in a driver's seat to win it outright and then just... You know, had a very bad game and did not play well against Warwick. So ended up sharing it. You know, I think uh, we had high expectations last year, but, you know, in, in my 44th, this is my 44th year of coaching, never had any of those, those kind of injuries. I mean, we lost, I think we played four games without eight starters and, and played most of the season without five. And, you know, losing Johnson early, who was, you know, Big glue on defense, but really important to our offensive scheme. And Connor Cook for the season and a few of the others. It just – we were just battling to keep our heads above water. And, you know, knock on wood, we don't have those kind of injury problems again. Yeah, and one, unfortunately, we're sitting here again a year later and saying the same thing because the year before was the secondary. Everyone in the secondary was beat was up. Hurt, right? And we talked about how, well, maybe 2018 we'll put that behind us. And then you lose Nick early during the uh, second game against right. Mifflin. You lose – Eli Rotenberg for almost the entire year after yep. a little bit against just one game against Central Dolphin and the hits just keep on, kept on coming. So yes, hopefully knock on wood, those well, that's gone. We're over. Know, that's, it's that's done. Things we consider and think about and talk about all the time, but you know the non-league schedule. You know your Mifflin's obviously a, a you know just one of those kind of games where you're going to bang heads a lot. Uh, Spring Ford's always tough. Central Dolphin's always physical, and then man, I'm Central, so you know. The schedule's not conducive to staying healthy. Right. Now, looking ahead to this year and related to maybe the injuries and the war of attrition the last two years, is this one of the deeper teams? Are you still top-heavy in terms of um, talent or seniors or leadership? We're deep at some positions and very, very thin at others. So it's one of those years where, you know, we have to be strategic in how we play the kids and, you know, try to stay as healthy and Obviously, work really hard with the twos at those thin positions, but um, you know, 
Staying healthy is always a big part of the game. It seems, at least on the offensive side of the ball, the wide receiver group and the running back group are very deep. Maybe not a lot of playing time with some of those other um, student athletes, but they all have a lot of potential. Whereas there's a few other groups that you have a couple guys, but you're not sure much mm-hmm. after that. I think we're pretty comfortable four deep at the running back position. Yeah. You know, with Avanti and and uh, Futrick and. Mason Leonard, and then uh, Jaden Jones. Uh, so I think we're pretty solid there, four deep. Uh, wide receiver core, I'd say the first four or five are all interchangeable, and there's a couple guys that are coming along, so we're going to be pretty solid there. Offensive line, I think we're pretty deep. Uh, not experienced in some positions, but, you know, have some kids that can play. Uh, quarterback, obviously, is going to be the big question mark offensively. Where we go there. How we go there will be a big key on how our offense goes. And how has that been playing out so far in the spring and summer? You know, there's three players. Uh, there's one senior, Nick Williams. Then you have two juniors, Caleb Brown, Ryan Moseman. Has anyone separated as of yet, or is this going to be down-to-the-wire battle? Uh, at this stage of the game, you know, I wouldn't say any of them has clearly risen to the top. Uh, but we're at a point this is a this is a situation we had this last year with Cameron Heckman where not having a second scrimmage really hurts because normally that first scrimmage you could give equal time to all, you know all three of them and then whoever emerged and you think is going to start you can play that person a little bit more in that second scrimmage but we don't have that luxury anymore so you know going into that first scrimmage we're going to have to decide after the first week of practice who we think is going to be our first quarterback and he's going to have to get at least half the reps, and the other two guys are going to have to share the reps. You know? Do you anticipate there being any kind of rotation or, or sub-package getting them more involved if you don't have a, a true number one? Like in 2012, we saw a few quarterbacks right. rotate in before Matt Timochenko really seized the deal way back in, what, week seven or week eight? It week took eight. a while. Yeah, Hempfield, week eight. So is that um, a possibility? or It's always a possibility, but we don't anticipate it. Okay. You know. Sure. Um, what what were the um, biggest losses from this year, uh, from last year to this year? Be it you know the, the, we know the players that graduated obviously moved on. Was there anyone else that left the program, student athlete, coach wise that uh, you could see an impact this year? Uh, well, Coach Cavell won't be back on the defensive line, and he's been with us for a long time, and you know whole wealth of enthusiasm and and knowledge. So that's going to be a loss. Uh, I mean, Eric Baumeter helped him out for, you know, was his assistant for quite a few years. So Eric's going to have to step up and take a little bit more responsibility. And then uh, we hired Chase Godfrey, uh, who coached at the uh, He coached at with West us last, last year. year yeah. And has coached in, you know, he had coached before in South Carolina at varsity level. So he's excited to be there. And But it's going to be a learning curve. And you, you can't replace that experience. You just got to, you know develop and I'll spend a lot of time with those guys uh, making sure everything's getting done to our what we want and then um, we hired another uh, new coach Dan Lavia who uh, got one of the phys, got a phys ed job at the high school he'll be helping out in the secondary and learning the ropes pretty much this year I mean our secondary coaches are back but you know he'll learn the ropes uh, and you know he's young and he's enthusiastic and uh he was helping out at Downingtown West, I believe. Last okay. Year. So you know, he's got some background. So uh, 
Good. Yeah. Our two new guys. We're going to at least talk to um, Coach Chase um, and maybe Coach Lavia uh, in the following interview. So we'll get to know them a little bit better then. Before we focus strictly on Wilson and their opponents, are there any wide ranging changes to high school football this year? PIAA, District 3, new rules? Is there anything going on that uh, the listeners should know about? Well, probably the big one is the 40 second clock. Uh, most people are used to high school football. Uh, from the time the ball is set and the ref blows the whistle, you have 25 seconds. Uh, that's no longer they're going to the uh, 40-second clock like they do in college. The moment the whistle, the moment a play is blown dead, 40-second really clock starts. starts, and then you have to snap the ball within that 40 seconds. It's going to be an adjustment for the officials because they can't take their time and everything, or we're going to be ready to snap the ball, you know. You blow a play dead, and they're getting off the pile and get everybody up and getting the ball back, you know. Uh, that's going to be a bit of an adjustment. Um, I think it's going to be – it, it could be interesting. They piloted it last year in, I think, four states. Okay. And uh, it went pretty well. Um, what it's going to do is I think it's going to kill your – at the end of the game, it's going to be so easy to kill the clock, you know, because – the clock, you got 40 seconds now instead of 25. Right. So it's real easy to just kill the clock. Just kind of wait around, let the clock run. Make the timeouts a little bit more important. Now, will the referees coming to the scrimmage against Parkland, will they simulate that if you go to game situation? They're supposed to. Okay. It, the places like, you know, for us where we have, you know, we had to, we had to get our uh, end zone clocks uh, recalibrated. recalibrated because you need a. You, before you needed the 25-second clock and the 60-second clock, 25-second for a play, 60 seconds for a timeout. Now you need a 25, a 40, and a 60 because, like, if there's a penalty, they the set the threes. ball, and now it's 25 seconds. <laughs> but if it's a play that ended with a normal play, first down or whatever, it's 40 seconds. So you need a 25, 40, and 60-second clock. And hopefully the official will know. Which, which to which, signal which and one which to, one to yeah. push. Which yeah. button to push. So a lot, a lot of interesting behind-the-scenes type stuff that a yeah. lot of people may not even notice at first. A lot of your fans are not even going to Except they may look at the end zone clock and see it's running right away right. at 40 seconds instead of 25. Yeah, you could have some people yelling in the stands that they're not doing it right. <laughs> very well could. Of course, they know everything. Oh, absolutely. Know. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, all you have to do is listen. <laughs> So we're in the second year of a two-year cycle, so there's no schedule changes this year other than we're flip-flopping the home and away games. Right. Um, but the home slate is really, really strong this year. Very interesting. It's a good slate to have at home. Yeah, I mean, if, if people want to see a Wilson football game and they don't like to travel, they can only get the Gursky. This is a year to uh, take advantage of that because, I mean. Central Dolphin, yep. Mannheim Central, Mannheim Township. Warwick. Warwick and then uh, McCaskey, and McCaskey right McCaskey, there at the right. end. So. so, I mean, you got Hempfield on the road. It'll be tough. And you got Mifflin on the road. It'll be tough. But Mifflin's almost like a home game, uh, except our fans get upset because there's not enough bleachers for them. Right. Yeah, business. that's always the complaint every other yeah. year when we talk about that game. Is there one that stands out to you on the schedule, home or away, just the one that you're looking forward to? Or is it an interesting one or one that you maybe this is the point we need to know what we are? Well, you know, with, with our non-league season – you know, it's one of those. It's great to go four and zero, but boy, Central Dolphin has had our number in in uh, since twenty four season. Yeah, now. yeah, four years in a row, and it's uh, that's when we gotta get that elephant off our back. And then after that, you know, 
There's going to be some good games. Central's got a you know all state quarterback back. Um, Manong Township's got almost their entire defense back. Yep. Uh, and a really good quarterback. Warwick's got their quarterback receiver combination back and a, and a six eight you know blue yeah, chip D-Y lineman. Recruit, yep. So it's going to be an interesting you know just one at a time. Right. You know as we yeah. always say one at a time and. Stay healthy. You know, I always said, you know, as thin as we are in some positions, it'd be nice to get a get a game where you could get those guys out. But you know, not the way it plans out. The way it plays. We'll out. come back to the uh, schedule for the 2020 in the future because I'm sure you'll have something to talk oh, yeah. about realignment. <laughs> um, but let's. Um, the only team that we didn't talk about too much yet briefly was um, Springford. And we don't get a lot of coverage in this area. People tend to focus on Burks LL and Mid-Penn. So with Springford out there and your familiarity, what do the Rams have coming back when you go down to visit them in Royersford this year? Do they return quarterbacks, skill guys? I know Coach Brubaker's obviously back. Uh, Coach Brubaker obviously knows us fairly well, but they they graduated their best players. Okay. Uh, they had some, they had a nice wide out underclass wide out, but he was a rookie last year. They had a big wide out last year. That was a rookie. Um, and they had a pretty decent running back back. Uh, I'm not quite sure up front where they have back. I haven't looked at it yet. Yeah, It's a little early you know, yet, but, uh, but they always put a good product on the field and, and he, you know, we're his central dolphin. He can't ever beat us. He can't seem to beat us. And that, Sticks in his. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, anytime you have that, you know, a former former team, you know, mentor, former player, whatever is a relation, you always want to make sure you get the best of right. them. So, well, I hope it stays on the current trajectory. I hope so. Uh, <laughs> um, so we talked about this is uh, kind of a, a senior heavy team. There's a, a pretty good senior class. I talked to a lot of them already. Um, but is there a new to be senior this year that maybe we haven't heard much from in his first two years that is maybe destined to make a big impact on the 2019 squad? Well, I think Avanti, you know, being hurt for five games last year and Eli being hurt for most of the season last year, both of them, you know, could be impact players for us. Um, wait to see, you know, Sal Pugliese coming off a knee injury, uh, you know, could be a very important cog on the offensive side of the ball, but. You know, the rest of them, I think, you know, have played quite a bit. We were very underclass laden last year, so uh, not too many new guys there. All right. Well, then talking about the young guys, any of the uh, to be, you know, the sophomores and juniors, any names going to stand out from that group? You know, we we know about Troy Corson. He's been here for how long now? But there are there any others in his class or maybe even sophomores that could see some important time this year? Well, Jeff Colison, who played quite a bit last year, I, I think could be a real impact player for us defensively. Uh, Ethan Capitano, uh, we've moved from outside linebacker to defensive end, take advantage of his speed. You know, and I mean, who was county runner up in the 100 last year? That's Good speed coming off the edge and pass rush. Um, a couple young guys. We're waiting to see where they're where they're going to fit in, how they're going to develop. Uh, but uh, you know, Mason Leonard, Eli, I already mentioned. They both have to come through for us defensively because they give us a lot of depth in the secondary. And uh, you know, that's that's where our question marks are: the corners and the outside and the linebackers. So. 
what do you most want to see from this team that you're putting on the field? I don't want to ask about your expectations specifically because we know the expectations are week by week, game by game. But um, what do you want to see most from this team this year that maybe we didn't see last year, two years ago, or in the last handful of years? You know, we stress it over and over and over again. Let's get out of the blocks fast. We've had a tendency to be a little slow, you know, in the first quarter getting in terms of scoring. And secondly, just be smarter. You know, we have not, I mean, it, it amazes me as much time as we spend, you know, with chalk talks and time on the field and films and everything else, they got to get, they got to understand the game. Because once you understand the game, it's a lot easier. And I'm not, I mean, we have several players that are very good at that, but we have several players that, you know, the better you understand the game, the better, you know, the game plays. Now, I know um, Mike Drago already talked to you about this, but, you know, a little personal uh, goal for you this year, or maybe not even goal, maybe you don't care, but you're sitting at 145 wins as head coach. You're six away from tying John Gursky, you know, uh, with seven coming this year. Uh, you could be the new all-time winningest Wilson head coach. Does that mean anything to you? Is that important, having been with Coach Gursky and Coach Slemmer and being around all these other guys that have led this program? What does it mean to you to be in that position? Well, first of all, you know, give John his due. I mean, he put Wilson on the map. Uh, he came here when Wilson was a struggling football program that had only won maybe three winning seasons. Yeah, in I the, think you're right on the money there. The 18 or 19 years before he got here. And uh, John never had a losing season. You know, he started in 64 and was 5-5 five and five and uh, just built it up to where it is and then – Jerry Slummer took over and um, added a little bit more of a passing game, you know, opened the offense up a little bit. Jim Cantafio took over and really opened the offense up a little bit. So, you know, we I took over a winning program. I didn't have to build a program. I had to mold it to what I wanted. I had to uh, continue the tradition. But, you know, it's been a little bit easier for me because – we were established in winning teams expect to win. So as far as, is it a goal of mine? No, I mean, I don't compare myself to John. You know, John was a legend. Um, I learned a lot. I coached seven years with John, learned a lot from John. Uh, I, I think probably what I do best is steer the ship. Because, you know, I, I can't stress enough and, and the other. And John was the same way and Jerry Slumber was the same way. You can't stress enough how important the assistants are. You know, Jeremy Palm and Ernie Wolber, you know, as their OC in D.C. just, you know, um, and Matt Bender's been with me all my years as well. You know, they're the guys that they do the hard work. They, you know, they're the guys. It's as much, if not more, their responsibility or their record than it is mine. I mean, I get the credit, I get all the pats on the back and everything, but, and, and ultimately all decisions fall to me, but, uh, you know, you can't do it without a staff like I have. And I, you know, as I said, I have a pretty terrific staff. So, you know, if, if and when that record comes to pass, it's a feather in their cap, you know, more so, or, or every bit as much as it is a feather in mine. Well, good. We look forward to talking to a bunch of them. For sure, Ernie Wolber will be sitting down with us. We're trying to get Jeremy. I know he's a little hesitant. Yeah, uh, well, he's, maybe if you tell him he can bring his three kids. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> we'll bring our kids. We'll make yeah, it a party. Yeah, It'll be a good. Big party. Um, 
What's the biggest thing on-field product that's changed from your first years with Gursky up until now? You know, you mentioned what this year, 44 as a coach at Wilson. Yeah. What's been the biggest change on, on the field? Well, the game has, gone, has become far more complicated. Teams are bigger, they're stronger, they're faster, and they've opened up the offenses. I mean, when John was here, we ran. If you took all of the plays that we ran over the seven years I coached with John, 80% of those plays were either ISO or off tackle. 80% those four plays were off tackle, right, off tackle, left, ISO, right, ISO, left. And then the other 20% were play action off of it or some counters or things like that. Uh, you can't do that anymore because everybody's caught up in the weight room. Um, you know, we just basically pushed people around because we had a weight program and that John had brought and nobody else had one. But now everybody's got a weight program. Everybody lifts all year round. So uh, the athletes are faster. Uh, so you've had to change with it. So offenses have changed dramatically. I mean, the days when John was here, we would go wing right, 62 drive, wing left, 61 drive, wing right, 16, wing left, 15. And then if we wanted to get really complicated, we'd throw a curve at him and go wing left, 16. Ooh, go go that weak, was a weak real, little go weak, weak play. Huh? You know? But now uh, – you almost never see two backs in the backfield. I mean, everybody's a one-back offense. They everything's out of shotgun. You know. Almost everybody's out of shotgun or pistol. Uh, you got four wideouts most of the time. So you have to have more defensive backs, you know, and you got to play more uh, different coverages because the offense has opened up. So, yeah, it's, it's not John Gursky football anymore. I mean, we, it's still blocking and tackling, and it's still, you know, work to perfection. But, you know, the game is – Totally different yeah, that way. Do you think the sh – shifting gears a little, the popularity of high school football in Pennsylvania has peaked and we're in a bit of a decline? Or I've been hearing a lot of people say that other sports are, sports are starting to dominate and we're seeing student-athletes not being as involved or maybe they're focusing more on one sport than others. And it seems that most people are listing football as the one that's being hurt the most by – whatever the outside sources are, whether it's interests, whether it's other extracurricular activities. Uh, we had, you know, issues with the, uh, the head injuries and the concussions for a few years um, before uh, medical awareness caught up with that. Do you think high school football in the state is dwindling or what, what is, what's your opinion on that? Participation is dwindling. It's still, you know, where is everybody on a Friday night, right? Uh, it's still the social, it's still the, heart of high school. Um, I think participation has dwindled, number one, because they've offered so many more new sports. So there's a lot of other things to do. You know, before where there was only two or three sports, now there's multiple sports. Uh, other sports have started to go year round. And some of it is the, the millennial generation where they're not willing to. Football is always a sport where they were willing to pay their dues, get better, and then play as seniors. Uh, other sports have always been, if the kid wasn't starting as a junior, they bagged it and they went to something else. Uh, football never had that problem before, but we're starting to see some of it, and a lot of it is because all these other sports are cropping up. There's now fall baseball, there's fall lacrosse, you know, and so if a kid didn't start, you know, doesn't see himself starting as a junior, well, maybe I'll go concentrate on this. 
which is a shame. So it does hurt us. I mean, our numbers are are down. We're going to start the season, you know, probably about 76, 77, which is oh, the wow. least yeah. we've ever had in my 14 years. Yeah, I was going to say that's. I mean, yeah. you were pushing close we to were, triple digits oh, at one yeah. point. You're yeah, in 90, we were in 90 95. there for a while. Yeah. yeah. And we've been hanging pretty much around 85. And this year, uh, we dropped to that mainly because we had exactly what you said. We had a whole host of juniors that probably wouldn't have started this year, but would have played on special teams and everything else and been backups and guys ready to play. But they decided to concentrate on other sports. I think we had nine of them. So you throw those nine in, we're right back at 85. Yep. The concussion part, I've been trying to educate people on that. Football got such a bad rap with concussions. First of all, the movie Concussion wasn't about concussions. It was about the NFL neglecting what was going on with some health issues. But everybody saw concussion. And then the actual concussion study from a scientific standpoint, and Justin's a science person, he can understand this, totally irrelevant the way they did the study. They took 121 people who showed signs of dementia or problems, all right, and when they died, they looked at their brains and they all had, you know, CTE. CTE. You know, and, well, of course they're going to have CTE. Those are the people that already showed it. But what about the other 3,000 that didn't have it? Or what about all the other athletes in other sports that they didn't do? They just took football and they already showed most of them already had, they had drug and alcohol issues. And they found that drug and alcohol issues cause CTE, whether it not football. And I mean, hey, granted, we've spent a lot of time being very aware of it and coaching and we coach. I mean, we do not have a lot of concussion issues in our football program because of the way we coach. But I'm not saying let's not be aware of it. It's great to be aware of it. But we really got a bad rap. I mean, if you look at nationwide or if you look here, I think we're only number five in terms of number of concussions yeah. per sport. Well, you, I mean, you know, as a coach. We're behind soccer. We're behind water yeah. polo. Yep. We're behind cheerleading. Yep. Uh, we're probably behind lacrosse. Well, and, you know, we have to take the recertifications every year to be a, yeah. to be a coach in the state of Pennsylvania. And, you know, the, when we first started this journey, what, five, six years ago is when uh, I believe that began right around that time. And there were the clinics you'd go to, they'd have um, athletic trainers, medical professionals, and everyone um, spreading awareness about what to do um, with the concussions and, and head injuries and such. And when they went into that, and everyone's football, got to talk to the football team, football players, football coaches, got to talk to them. Well, then they get to their present and football's fifth on the list but why are you focusing here when they're fourth or fifth you know and i think they did it by state and that's self-reporting which brings in all kinds of messes but yeah it was always interesting to me that um that football was the focus when it wasn't even number one in terms of rate of occurrence but we just saw recently and i, I will link to this uh, study that it, basically what you just said like now that now there seems to be like well there's not a direct link to Football and CTE. Well, there, there was no control group. So what they should have done is done autopsies on 300 random people. And then, okay, okay, of those 300 random people, how many of them had CTE? Maybe they all would have had CTE. And maybe, maybe only half of them played football. So football wasn't necessarily the cause. Right. You know, but the, the good thing that came out of it is – 
I think it's not so much that the kids won't get a concussion, but if they get a concussion, they're not returned to play. Until right. They're totally right. Second impact syndrome yeah. is huge. That is huge. And yeah. that, that I would have to say, I mean, old school, we've never been that way because of John Moyer, or, you know, because of our trainer and that, but old school was, I mean, when I look at, when I played, I probably had a dozen concussions, mm-hmm. but you know, as soon as you could, you went back and as soon as you're at, you shook your head and your head cleared up, you went back in the game. Right. That's the way it was. I was I was knocked unconscious my freshman year in college. I was out, they said, five minutes. I practiced the next day. I mean, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, how, how to treat head injuries like that. Man, has, look at me. <laughs> we've seen massive changes over the years. And you mentioned John Doc Moyer. He's been here now. I mean, I believe this is his 41st fall. He's right. celebrating his 40th anniversary with the, the school district this year. So, um, And he's obviously a huge cog across the state in terms of athletic trainers. And so we are blessed to have one of the best. But, you know, Justin and I talk all the time when it comes to uh, – science and statistics that well you know correlation doesn't mean causation just because it looks looks like there might be a link doesn't mean there is a link football is still number one for the most participation so you know they'll sit there and they'll say well yeah look football has the most concussions yeah but when you do it on a percentage basis now we're down to number five or six you know yeah Uh, and they they worry a lot with the young kids and then that's something i think with youth football that they, they shouldn't worry. I'm not saying they shouldn't worry about concussion. They need to be aware of it. And they should all be trained. But, you know, the impact is just, you know, so low at that age. Right. Well, let's get back onto the, the schedule talk that I alluded to earlier. 2020, there's going to be a lot of changes with the LL realigning from the current three sections to four sections, dropping another team. <laughs> meaning you have to add another non-league game. They're keeping the crossovers for another two-year cycle. Uh, what is your reaction to that that plan that was, I guess, uh, ratified in, back in February to uh, take place starting next year? What do you think about it? I think it's dumb. We knew the answer. Yeah, we knew that. <laughs> I'm not trying to lead uh, it too much, but first of all, if you go step back for a second, there was a there was a movement to merge Burks in the LL, and the idea was that there are some small teams in the LL that are struggling going one and nine, oh and 10 every year. And there's some small teams in Burks, but those small teams don't have enough other teams to go against. They have to go up against the stronger teams. So the movement was, Hey, let's merge Burks and the LL and go with five divisions. And now you're going to have a whole lot of those. Oh, and 10, one and nine, two and eight teams playing each other. Well, now guess what? They're not going to be. Oh and nine, oh and ten. Right. Now somebody's gonna be eight and two, somebody's gonna be six and five, and they're gonna win and they're gonna get a chance to build. Uh, but they nixed that. All right. So now they go from three sections to four sections with the idea that oh, this will give more teams a chance to win a championship. No doubt about that logic. There's only one problem. We now have five league games, which means we need five non-league games. Well, no leagues in Pennsylvania only have six teams. So now we got to find a week five game. Or week four, depending on where they put the crossover. Yeah, the crossover will be week five. So you're talking week week four, yeah. Four? Well, who are we going to play week four? Everybody's into their leagues. 
And and even even if they are open, chances are they're not going to want to play us. Yeah. So I mean, we've went out when this whole thing came to pass in last winter, beginning of last winter, all district one, all district three, all district eleven. Nobody. No one yet. So I mean, we I don't know have a game yet. We talked about the Downingtowns, Coatesville. Um, nope, none of them are available. None of them are available. You know, North Penn said, "Oh yeah, well we would play, but they had to check their schedule." But I not available. They're all into their league, right? So, uh, so it's really dumb. You know, for us, it's it's really going to hurt us. You know, because I don't. I mean, we may not going to have a game, and you sure don't want to buy week four. Yeah, leading into the game, which you would think would be Mannheim Central, I right. guess, depending on what happens. Right. It could be Cocalico, but it's one of those it's two teams. Miss, yeah. But I would anticipate it to be Mannheim right. Central. So is there a chance of going outside of the state? It's not an option that we'd like to explore because if you go outside the state, it doesn't count. Yeah, correct, right. yeah. So, um, but, you know, you're going you're gonna to run into the same thing. Everybody outside the state's into their league. So you end up... Uh, looking to the independents. Okay. So like like Malvern Prep type? Malvern Prep. Uh, the uh, Some of the schools in Cincinnati, Ohio. Moeller, IMG. You know, you know. <laughs> I mean, those are the schools that have to go all over and play right, independent right. schedules. There, you know. what is it, was it like those California schools like – is it Bosco or like the, no, you know John like Bosco's uh, in New Jersey? Oh, yeah. Bosco's in Jersey. Okay, yeah. yeah that's, a, I mean, and, and that's a whole. I mean, they're college teams, and you know, and like Paramus and like all yeah. these. So I don't know. I mean, you know, we'll. It, it would have been when they decided they want to go to more sections. They just should have revisited the whole Burks Lancaster League merger and gone through with it because they're already talking. They're just like delaying you know, it. They're just pushing it off. Well, a couple of the Burks teams are talking about moving out of the Burks League. You know, like Daniel Boone and those guys, Twin Valley, they're tucked down against uh, Chester County. Right. You know, and they probably would leave if they did an L.L. Burks merger because – So they go to the Chestmont? Uh, one, probably, yeah. I don't know that it's going to happen. It's only been in the discussions. Right. But, you know, I mean, most of the schools they would play would be closer than what they're playing now. Uh, the only other – um, tidbit for 2020 is um, going to get to play Exeter. You're going to play Exeter next yep. year, and Exeter will come yep. here in 2021. It's been a few years, probably. I don't, were you head coach at last time you played Exeter? Would have no. been Kentucky early, was. early mid 2000s, yeah. a little bit after us, but right before you became head coach yeah. then, like 0405, probably right in there. Yeah. So it's it's nice. I know, uh, especially for those local, you talk about we're at Mifflin this year, but it's a local game. People will get turnout. Sure. Same thing with Exeter. It'll be a yeah, great opportunity. It's been good for Burks County. Yeah. Um, Exeter, for years, we tried to schedule them on some of the, one of those open early dates, and they wouldn't play us. Uh, but they must think the well's running dry at Wilson or something because <laughs> they agreed to. Uh, we had to drop Spring Ford. Right. And, you know, the, the logic behind that is really simple. You know, the head coach of Spring Ford's son's a quarterback on our football team, a sophomore quarterback. And as I told the Ch Chad Brubaker at Spring Four, I said it wouldn't be fair to your son playing for Wilson to be playing against you. Number one, because you know he can't come to you if he's uncertain about something and say, "Hey, Dad, you know I'm I'm really I'm not quite sure of my reprogression or whatever on this," because he can't do that because you're coaching the op you know right the opposition. So you know Chad was a little upset at first, but I think he finally understood it was. Be better for his son not to be put into that predicament. 
Right. Well, then there's also the opportunity then in what 2022 they could pop sure. back up on pop the them schedule. Back up again. Um, so I think that it's it for 2020. We covered everything there. Um, last things here back in 2019, but looking at as a program in general, you know, the team is celebrating the 75th season of the program. Uh, there's a lot of things going on. We got events happening in October, the night of your Warwick game, October 11th. We're welcoming me back um, the nine years, all those championship teams. From 69, 79, 89, 99, and 2009. So we're welcoming back a whole bunch of alumni to celebrate with us that night. And Doesn't the, put any pressure on 2009. No, none whatsoever. Right? I'll let you do that. We're not going to do that. Um, yeah, so and actually 59 was a very good year as well. Didn't win a title, but they were 8-1-1, one, one, I believe. So uh, it goes back pretty far. The yeah. nines have been a, a good a good, uh, a number to end with. So end hopefully, yeah, 2019 hopefully can follow suit. But uh, then October 12th. That Saturday, we're having the alumni flag football game, which you're going to be one of our coaches uh, for that. And well, it uh, should be a lot of fun. I mean, a lot of people are worried. <laughs> a lot of the old guys are worried. And I keep telling them, you're only going to be jogging against the old guys that are jogging. But, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. a lot of people think it's going to be a good time. We will have uh, plenty more information on that to come in a, in a following episode, and we'll be releasing rosters for that soon. Um, but, you know, looking back, since we're looking back over 75 years and celebrating that this year, have there been, you know, we spoke about this year about maybe overlooked, underappreciated people. What about in your entire career here? Have there been some people that didn't get enough you know, pub that maybe people aren't quite aware of were a big impact player at Wilson? And, you know, let's you know, give them their due now. We've had some tremendous impact players over the years. I mean, I think of a guy back in 78, Mark Cornfield, who – broke his collarbone early in the season and was going to be a starter two-way player. And, you know, uh, actually, even having broke his collarbone, held the passing completion or a reception record for quite a while. Um, I think he would have been – he was on a team with Randy Simcox, yep. Brad Olinger, and Joe Pol There's three running backs that all rushed for close to 1,000 yards on the same team. Uh, that was a that was a team that would have, should have had playoffs because they were really loaded. Um Eleven to zero, right? yeah, yeah. Eleven to zero. I think that to you know we've had some running backs that you know have been studs, you know, really done their thing. Doug Ertz probably didn't get the attributes that he deserved because he shared the backfield with Peter Pete Trek, and Pete was a little bit more you know explosive and dynamic. But you know, Doug Ertz went on to a really nice career at Lehigh, and obviously was, Zach Ertz was sons. Vito on that team too. Vito would have been an underclassman. Okay, yeah. Team, yeah. But, yeah. A uh, sophomore, I believe. Uh, you know, yeah, he was a sophomore. Shrek was a junior and Ertz was a senior. Uh, but, you know, they were really good. We've had some uh, really good linebackers, you know, right across the board. I mean, you know, every year the, the press seems to pick out one or two kids and that's who they focus on. And you have all those unsung heroes on the offensive line. Uh, you got some defensive linemen that are doing things that occupying double teams so they don't make the tackle, they don't get credit, but you know. But that's Wilson football. It's you know, it's not about me, it's about we. And uh we have kids that are willing to make those sacrifices and that's why we are what we are. How about your most memorable games from, from your forty plus years or even ones that maybe you weren't here for but people talked about? You know, what what jumps out, uh, you know, one or two uh, obviously, you know, the the state championship game with Upper St. Clair, which we should have won, but, 
you know, had a bad decision right at the end of the game. Uh, that was tough. You know, that, that was an opportunity for us to be state champs. The following year, we had a chance to be state champs again when Jeff Nadrowski was in the end zone from his knees up and they said he was down. Uh, cost us a game against Ridley that year up at Lehigh. Uh, the Fog Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Everybody remembers the Fog Bowl, the Dean Carreras. I mean, the Chris Adams, Dean Carreras in the, in the light. I, I bust on Shane Stafford a lot because we lost the game down here at home when he was a, uh, his first game starting. He went in the second half against O.J. Roberts. And I believe he was, he was a sophomore. And we got all the way down, and we were out of timeouts, and we were down on the one-foot line, and we had just run ISO and got stopped, and there was we were scrambling to get set up, and we are yelling in to run the same play, which was an ISO again. And so he got up there, and he's yelling, same play, same play, which <laughs> instead of, you know, which kind of set him up to stop us on right. the one yeah, yeah, yeah. and we lost the game. But I, I bust on him about that <laughs> a lot. That would have been 91. Um, yeah. The uh, – the game against uh, Bethel Park uh, up at State College, which the mythical running into the kicker and losing in triple overtime. Uh, I think we ended up with 14 penalties and they had one or so, you know, it was a little, we, we should have beat them and we would have, that was a year, I think. Uh, Bethlehem Liberty Bethlehem was Liberty the, yeah. won it and we would have beat Bethlehem Liberty pretty handily. I mean, that was Beck's. Touchdown got called back. Beck's in the end zone. They throw a flag for holding, you know, back on the 35 yard line. So, so the, the losses, things, the yeah. losses hang with you. Oh, because you mentioned the fog bowl, which I think is the right. only game you won of all the ones you mentioned. <laughs> so those are the ones that hang around. Yeah. So, well, one more loss that I want to talk about just because I recently saw it, didn't know anything about it until I was doing, you know, Bulldog Hour and website research was actually a year right before some of those games you talked about. You talked about 89 and 90, but in 88, I believe was the last time you guys had a three-game losing streak until I think my junior year in 2001. I was researching this for when I sat down with Chad for two was that and a half the hours. Game? No, this was at Pottsville uh, here. Bradburn touchdown last play of the right. game. They said he was down at like the half inch. Right. See, I, I had yeah. never heard about that one before. I think, and it was the last yeah. time Wilson had lost three games in a row until 2001. Um, but yeah, right. it was. Uh, I didn't know that if you one, we recall that one. Yeah. <laughs> I remember a game where uh, against Hempfield, uh, we punted. We were up, and we punted, and the ball, our kids were all standing around, and the ball's rolling and rolling and rolling, and they're just standing around it, waiting just to down it. And it was a, probably only a minute and a half left in the game, and their kid came running through in the dead picked run, it up picked and it up, and went down the sidelines, and I think Vito tackled him on like the – Six or seven yard line, but then they scored to win that game. Since we're always yelling, pick it up, yeah. pick it up, pick it yeah. up. <laughs> and then we also lost another game to Hempfield where we kicked a 39-yard field goal to win the game and with no timeouts left. We got called for being not having enough men on the line of scrimmage, hmm. which in, in video you can see we clearly do. That's All right. And then – we got moved back five yards and had to kick it again just under the goalpost. Of course. You know, so we yeah. lost that. So, you know, the, the, the one win that probably, you know, that, that I do remember is the game here against Mifflin when everybody went home. 2014. You know, everybody went home because we were getting dropped. And that and, was the start of something special, yeah, too. And we came back in the second half and then went into overtime and, and, um, uh, 
uh, I just graduated from Dickinson. Walbert. Why, yeah, Walbert. First play he was in in overtime. First play of the game he was in. Touchdown corner. Got a of the touchdown in the corner of the end zone over Johnson, which was that was that was a biggie. Yeah, you know that one I remember. And then uh, when Josh Smith was a sophomore, I think he came in the second half and had two hundred and some yards receiving against McCaskey. Uh, you know, so there are some wins, but it, you know, obviously the, the yeah. losses stick. Those are the ones that, that in hang in there. Um, how about last looking back over your coaching career so far? Was there a super odd moment with a, a, a student athlete of yours, of the other team, of you know, opposing coach, of parents? Like, was there ever a weird moment? Referees? Like, was there something like that was really weird? Uh I don't know if I'd say weird as much as I remember playing Central Dolphin East and we beat them out here in, in the regular season and their quarterback, uh, not, recent, nine, yeah, nine, nine, Niedheimer, Nied, was it was Ike's senior year. Hmm. I'm drawing oh a blank, I'm drawing, I'm drawing a blank, blank right now. Real nice kid. And we beat him. And he came up to me after the game and said, Coach, great game. He said, we'll see you in, December, in October or November. Huh. You know? And then we ended up playing him here in November, and he ran all over us. The quarterback had 200 yards rushing. Wow. And Ike had like 17 or 18 tackles. He was the only one making Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I remember. We were struggling. I can't, God, I can't think of his name. Yeah, it'll pop up. I'll, yeah. I'll try to insert it in there when we yeah. have the discussion afterward. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. I know who you're talking about, yeah. though, because – yeah, he was one heck of an athlete. Yeah, yeah he was. Yeah. Well, he, went, he ended up going to yeah, maybe it was Delaware State or someplace to play safe. Um, Everson took over for him right the next year yeah. before he moved on to Harrisburg. Yeah. I well, Everson was at Harrisburg, and then the kid that came into Harrisburg he was going to start, so Everson went to CD East. Okay. The Harrisburg kid graduated. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. The, those Harrisburg area schools are interesting. Uh, the, <laughs> the, 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 the way least. the way that the uh, borders are set up because there's some school district you may know which one it is that they have border here and border here and there's all these schools in between. It's it's really interesting though how unique the Harrisburg area the school districts are, are lined yeah. up. So, um, all right. This is something that we came up with recently and put you on the spot with this one. It's it's really deep though. It's really deep. So you're gonna have to draw. Um, when we make the Wilson football movie, who do you want the actor to portray you? Who who who's gonna be the person? <laughs> uh, off the top of my head, I would say, oh, Chris Farley, Adam Sandler, <laughs> 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 somebody that's a comedian, because it would just be it would be a great you know mix. Uh, All right, that cool. way. <laughs> we'll we'll figure something out. But we thought we'd give you the opportunity to give us a proposal before we you know took it to uh, took it to Hollywood and we we made it big with that. Yeah, so, okay. Um, but that's pretty much it. I think you answered everything. Only uh, the only other thing, and I don't even know if you can answer this right now. Um, you know, are you thinking about your future and what's what it has to do with both you personally as an educator and also here doing your coaching? Um, is this a year to year thing? Do you have a five year plan? Do you have anything like that uh, solidified? Um, my future right now is. Uh... Central Dolphin <laughs> and uh, Mifflin. And, uh, no, I don't know. It's I, I say all the time I don't want to be like – I thought Joe Paterno the last five to seven years he coached was 
was not effective as a coach, was a figurehead, you know, and, it's, and it hurt their program. And I don't want to, I'm not at that, but I don't want to either get to that. Um, you know, Drago quoted me as saying, I won't be coaching in my 70s. Uh, so that kind of, I guess, puts me on it a... Puts a little bit of a deadline on it. A deadline on it. You know, my wife says otherwise. I don't know if she says that because she thinks I'll go nuts <laughs> without anything to do or whether she says that because she doesn't want me at home <laughs> full time. Could be a little bit uh, of both. Could be a little bit of both, right? Uh, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm going to coach this year. Uh, I don't have any plans for retiring before, you know, at the end of this year. But, you know, uh, my health, my wife's health, uh, I, I want to leave the program in good hands. And so – you know, when I look at some of the guys that are interested in being head coaches right now, they've got little kids and being a head coach, when you have little kids, it's really hard because you don't get to raise your kids, you know, because, you know, I'm not home. I'm going to, yeah. you know, Birch County football meetings. I'm going to LL quarterback club meetings. I'm going to Van Reed meetings. I'm going to Lincoln Park meetings. You know, you're meeting with the press. You're meeting with, you know, it's just... You're meeting uh, yeah. with two nobodies and randomly <laughs> well, after you're, practice. You're meeting, you know, I'm meeting with, you know, I, you know, when every on Thursday evening after practice, everybody goes home and has takes their wives out or whatever. I have senior starter dinner. Right. Uh, it's just, you know, that that goes with the territory, and I'm fine with that. But that makes it really, really hard when you have young kids. You know, so, you know, guys like you know Jeremy Palm and Jake Peterson that have aspirations of one day being a head coach. You know, uh, you know, I, I think they're hoping, you know, as their kids get a little older, but then the, then that progress just changes because now they got to take the young kids to everything <laughs> sports. Right. So I don't know, uh, you know, but, you know, year, it's, it is year to year yeah. to answer your question. It is year. You reevaluate after years yeah, over and decide what you want to do. And I talk to all my uh, individual coaches and, and and say right out to them, I said, you, you know, be perfectly straight. You know, am I not as effective as I was a year ago? And I tell them to be perfectly honest with me on that. But at the same time, I don't know. <laughs> Since I coach most of them, who's going to turn around and say, oh, you stank. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I would get the idea from the way they talked. So... So right now, you know, the other than losing Paul, you know, things are pretty steady, and uh, you know, we'll get that part straightened out, and you know, keep on plodding along. <laughs> well, great! I know we're all happy to have you here, and hopefully, you're around for a few more years because uh, we always enjoy the sit down. And I know, like I said at the beginning, everyone always watches this show and wants to hear what you have to say. <laughs> so we appreciate you taking time to, to talk with us. We know they, you've got a busy schedule. They get tired of me saying the same thing. <laughs> well, we try to come up with them different <laughs> questions. So, you know, you know, keep them on their toes. Maybe they'll learn something new. So. I know Drago and Reinhardt always say, I'll just pull out last year's tape. <laughs> change a few names, change few a few numbers. Names yeah. And, you know, yeah, you're going to finish third or fourth, <laughs> you know, six, you know. Yeah. But, you know, hey, it is what it is. That's right. All right. Well, well thank you for joining us once again, Coach. Yep, thank you. All right, so that was our interview with Coach Doms just recorded last week. We hope everyone enjoyed it. There's a lot of uh, great insight there. 
hopefully we asked some interesting questions and uh, got to introduce our uh, who would play you in the Wilson football movie, which you'll hear uh, Ernie Wolber and Chase Godfrey answer when we broadcast those assistant coach interviews on Wednesday evening, uh, August 14th. So I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Bulldog Hour. Do please continue to visit the website, bulldoghour.com, and make sure you follow us across social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Those are places that you can get all of our content. And uh, remember that the uh, team starts official summer three-a-day practices tomorrow morning. So when most of you are waking up and get ready for uh, to go to work or uh, whatever you're doing, if you're a student over the summer, enjoy your last uh, two weeks before school starts again. And just know that the uh, players and coaches are going to be uh, added in the, uh, the summer conditions for the next uh, two weeks as we lead up to the Parkland scrimmage this coming Saturday and the first game against Central Dolphin at Gursky Stadium on Friday, August 23rd. But I think that pretty much does it for me here for Justin Raffoff and the entire Wilson football program. Please continue to watch the Bulldog Hour. We'll be back Wednesday and next weekend with more episodes. But until next time, do remember, go Bulldogs. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.